We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Intro. Here we go. Hey, what is up, everybody? Welcome to the Guilty as Charged podcast coming to you on a Thursday morning. Uh, We are recording this on Wednesday night, so hopefully you guys had a wonderful Halloween if you chose to celebrate it. And uh, happy to be here to talk about the uh, Chargers and Jets game. We did a little bit of a preview on uh, the Chargers channel yesterday with Arjun, had a great conversation. Uh, So if you missed that, please go check it out. There's a lot of Great insight into the data standpoint, the film standpoint of what exactly happened this past week. And obviously, Arjun interned with the Jets this past summer. So uh, has a unique vantage point of this game and, and was happy to pick his brain. So we'll, Tyler and I are going to dive into more of this matchup today. And I'm excited to do that. Tyler, what's up, man? How are you doing today? Doing great, man. I mean, where else would I have rather been today than doing professional development? <laughs> uh, just kidding. It was It was great. And I actually learned some things from it. So I got a lot to take from it. Anna, but I miss my kids. You know, I wanted to teach today. Yeah, yeah. There you go. That's good. Uh, you know, it's it's a uh, it's a fun time of the year. Obviously, uh, you know, as a school counselor, it's a lot of college stuff. Uh, so we had an, a college application workshop today for our students, and uh, it was good to see. Uh, it was a good turnout. You know, college season is always stressful for us, but uh, seeing these kiddos get ready for college makes me makes me happy. makes me makes it worthwhile for sure. Absolutely. It, November is kind of the big deadline for a lot of colleges. Yeah. A lot of the Cal State. Yeah. November 30th is the deadline. And that's like two days after we get back from Thanksgiving break, which is in <laughs> like three weeks. So, uh, yeah, it's it's kind of pedal to the metal right now. Mm-hmm. And just like it is for the Chargers. <laughs> yes. Super important game. Uh, nicely done. Nicely done. Thanks. Uh, very important game on Monday Night Football. Uh, against the New York Jets, who we'll, we'll talk a lot about them. But uh, first and foremost, have to get to the latest news. Uh, we talked a little bit about this, but the Chargers decided this week to waive uh, former third-round pick Trey McKitty. Um, as of recording this, he is not back on the practice squad. So this was, to me, a very strong indication that the Chargers have seen enough and they are ready to move on. And they moved in a different direction by elevating Nick Vanette to the practice squad. I feel like I have been talking about Nick Vanette being on the Chargers roster for like three years now. Uh, so I'm pretty excited about this. We'll get to some of these specifics here. But uh, 
From a Trey McKitty standpoint, Tyler, what's your what's your takeaway from the decision to move on from him in particular? They had every right to feel confident about him being a good blocker last year after what he showed his rookie season. They had every right to also look at him after last season and go, well, I'm not feeling so good about this. And I think it was more than just, you know, you're good and you're bad, you're inconsistent. It was more than even just you don't do anything because you're inactive. It was strictly at this point, last couple of games, the only time I saw him on the field, it was a negative. And maybe that's not like literally exactly true, but it certainly felt that way. Watching him against the Chiefs, hey, you're supposed to block that guy. And the timing was late. There was a pressure, I believe, a hit on Herbert as well on third down. And then against yeah. the Bears, there was the fourth down holding call. Would he, you know, would they have converted and all that sort of stuff anyway? No, but again, it was just, it wasn't even that nothing was there for the Chargers. It was just a negative and that's really bad. So I completely understand from that perspective why they had to move on. Yeah, I think this is a area of growth for the Chargers and that they are showing again that they're not afraid to move on from a mistake. Obviously, uh, you know, we wish Trey well in his career and everything like that. But it's it's not a coincidence. Like we, we talked about previously, the run blocking grades were never even close to average, let alone like the kind of player that they dreamt he would be when they drafted him. Like you mentioned, had a promising rookie season. I remember watching tape that year thinking like, wow, like this, like this guy could be some kind of Virgil green replacement. And then for whatever reason, it just didn't, it didn't work out. Um, you know, he went to tight end you this summer and, you know, I, I was at least hopeful that there would be some improvement, I'm not super optimistic that I, that would happen, but certainly hopeful. Um, and, and it just, it never came to fruition. You know, the mental mistakes were there. The drop passes were, pretty consistent when he was given opportunities to, you know, like the, the San Francisco game last year, he had a, a drop touchdown. That was just like a waste of a perfect pass from Justin Herbert. So just was, was not enough growth there. I think you look back at that specific draft and that was actually the comp pick that the charters got for letting Philip Rivers walk. Well, no. <laughs> um, and, and so it just, the, the context of that pick is, is, is tough to stomach when you realize like, this is, this is just not like a guy that even worked out at all. Didn't even finish his, his rookie contract. So um, I remember after the draft, Tom Telesco had mentioned that they felt like Trey McKitty was the last, uh, I, I forget the exact verbiage, but he, he mentioned that Trey McKitty was their last like legitimate tight end grade of that draft class. Um, there were some interesting tight ends drafted after him, including uh, John Bates from Boise State, who is in who is in Washington right now. Uh, he's a fantastic run blocker. Uh, Would have been nice to have him right now. Uh, Kylan Granson, who plays for the Colts, he's a nice little receiving piece, not really a blocker. Um, and then there was another one, uh, Noah Gray for the Kansas City Chiefs, who's definitely been a a positive role player. So just. Not even doing like the, well, they had the chance to draft this player or that player, even just like the tight ends in that class. Like, you know, again, not anything crazy here, but, you know, if they had even just taken John Bates, like the Chargers would not be in this kind of situation where we're begging them to do any kind of upgrade at blocking tight ends. So it's just, it's unfortunate. The, the rookie season was fun, but, you know, he, he never really showed any development past that. And I think the Chargers, 
definitely deserve blame for the draft pick. I think they also do deserve some credit for uh, deciding to move on, albeit a little later than most people people would have hoped. But hey, at least they moved on. Right. And this is something we discussed when we were looking at the practice squad. It's that sure, the Chargers are going to lean into a lot of the rookies or the younger guys this season, but they have a couple of guys on the practice squad with a ton of experience. Yep. And if it's not working out, they can pull those guys at any moment. If JT Woods isn't working out, Raheem Lane not working out, it would have been Dean Marlowe. Now that happened for a whole different reason, but you see right. how that's paid off so far. Same thing with Trey McKitty. If he doesn't hold up, now it could have been McKitty. It could have also been Stone Smart. But if neither of those guys hold up or if one of them doesn't hold up, go ahead with Nick Vanette. Now, did it take longer than I would have expected? Yeah, given the way things worked out. According to Arjun, Trey McKitty has the worst pro football focus grades for a tight end, not just uh, last year, but this year as well. So two years, their worst tight end grades of the last decade. So that's not great. Um, I will say if I am leaning into that, and I rarely lean into pro football focus, but it's the best I've got for comparisons like this. Nick Vanette in 2021 was only one spot higher than Trey McKitty in run blocking grade and only four spots higher last year in run blocking grade. Now, I believe you watch the film and you feel differently. You feel that Nick Vanette can be yeah. a better blocking force. And again, it, the grades are all I have at this point to go off of to compare those two. But I think for you, the eye test certainly said differently. But yeah, unfortunately with McKitty, there just was no, you know, even Stone Smart. Do I expect him to be a blocker really at all? No. But there's an aspect of catching the football and being a receiving option that, that at least is present with him. McKitty had none of that. I mean, he finished the preseason with negative yards. Again, I, I joked earlier in the season, like Antonio Gates had more receiving yards than him this preseason just by existing. Yeah. And Jeremy McKitty had negative. So it just... It has unfortunately been a pick that you know was maybe questionable at the time, but they kind of justified it because he looked pretty good and really built his way onto the roster and then playing really well the second half of his rookie year. Uh, maybe there's an aspect of Frank Smith that was involved there too. And then it just kept getting worse and worse and worse and worse. And again, like you said, to the Chargers credit, credit to them for moving on at this point because while it does feel like the obvious move, the Chargers don't always make the obvious move. And so I'm glad that they did at this point for better or worse. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, regarding Nick Van Etz fit and his grades, like I, I do definitely disagree with the way that he's been uh, graded as a run blocker over the last few years. Now he has bounced around a little bit. Like this is like, make no mistake about it. This is not like an elite guy. Like this is not a guy that's going to come in and just like be like this amazing block blocking tight end. Like I think, the Chargers here are aiming for competency, and that's really what Nick Vanette is is bringing them. Which it sounds harsh, but that's that's a legitimate upgrade for this team at the blocking tight end position, because you mentioned it's not just that Trey McKitty was not making an impact; it's that there was just so many negative aspects, no, so many negative plays um, being at that position, and I think. Frankly, even Donald Parham has kind of struggled as a run blocker this year. Stone Smart has certainly struggled as a run blocker this year. So now with Nick Vanette, you can just have a guy that's dependable, that's reliable. Um, he's bigger. He's weighs 260 pounds. He's 6'6". So he is a more traditional blocking tight end when you think about that kind of body type. You know, Trey McKitty is, uh, I think he's 6'5", but he was only 250 pounds. So it's not a huge difference, but that 10 pounds matters. Um and so Nick Vanette has the ability to set the edge. He has the ability to cut off the backside. And those are two areas that were basically non-existent for the Chargers right now from the tight end position. So 
Um, you know, I was messaging or tweeting today back and forth with Arjun and with Tej, uh, who do great work for Sumer Sports. And, and obviously, we've, we've talked with Arjun several times, right? Running out of 12 personnel for the Chargers has been a massive weakness. Like, it's something that was such a strength of the Cowboys when Kellen Moore was there. Um, obviously, you're talking about Dalton Schultz and Jake Ferguson and these guys who are like legitimate blockers. And so when you get into 12 personnel with this Chargers tight end room, it's a weakness. It's not a strength. And so it it drastically alters the identity of your run game when you don't have those tight ends that you can trust to set the edge and to cut off the backside. And again, Nick Van Ant is not an elite blocker by any means, but he can handle those responsibilities. And the eye test, like you mentioned, you know, Nick Van Ant, I watched the preseason tape when he was with the Texans, and I felt like I was I felt like I was watching a, a renaissance. Like I felt like I was watching a work of art because I'm so used to poor tight end blocking that when I see good tight end blocking, it's like, holy shit, this is awesome. Um, and that was in the preseason. So it wasn't like he was dominating regular season games, but he can handle the workload. He can do things that the Chargers tight ends have not been able to do since Trey McKay's rookie season. And so is it a huge upgrade? Is he going to drastically change the run game? No, but having a competent, serviceable, solid, reliable off, uh, I almost called an offensive tackle. Uh, run blocking tight end is, is really going to help this team. You, you, and I, I think going forward, you'll, you'll see his presence. And this week in particular against the New York Jets front that we talked about yesterday is the elite of the elite right now. Yeah, and thankfully he's been with the team for uh, several weeks now and obviously is yeah. a veteran himself. So it's not like they're grabbing some guy from a different team. Of course, there were better tight ends out there, sure. But he's been with the team. He should be able to hit the ground running. Do you envision him taking any of those McKitty backfield snaps? It wasn't a, a ton. Obviously, he was inactive at certain points this season, too. But like, yeah, is that a Nick Vanette thing that he could do? Or would they rely maybe on like a stone smart there instead? I think he can do that. I think that I'd rather have him up at the line of scrimmage and, and you could put Gerald Everett in the, in the backfield, you put stone smart, Donald Parham in the backfield. Um, it just, it just helps. Like the math is, is just better right now with Nick Vanette um, because he can be that guy at the point of attack doing double teams with Rashawn, doing double teams with Trey Pipkins, doing it with double teams with the other uh, tight ends. And so I think it just makes things easier on all of the rest of the tight end room too, because now you have, a true blocking tight end in there that can come in and make an impact. Other question then, who is cut for Jalen Guyton then? Because I thought this could be the Jalen Guyton move um, sure. to cut McKitty, but who do you think is then next in line to be cut to McGrew from Jalen Guyton? Yeah, so just for a, a reminder, the Chargers have until the end of this week to activate Jalen Guyton or Otito Ogonia. Um, Otito is very straightforward. I think that's Christopher Hinton. Yeah. Um, that's basically just a straight swap for them. Jalen Guyton becomes a, a much more difficult spot because, you know, Austin Eckler is injured right now or not right now, but he's been injured. You know, they don't really trust uh, um, Isaiah Spiller. So do you want to cut Elijah Dotson for, for Jalen Guyton? Do you want to cut Stone Smart, who's showed some some fun flashes as a receiver? Um, they have nine offensive linemen on the active roster officially with uh, – or wait, is it eight now? It's eight, five star, yeah. Oh, because of eight, course, yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, so to me, this is Dodson or Stone Smart because I don't mm -hmm. think that you're it, it wouldn't make sense to me to bring up Nick Vanette and then cut him for Jalen Guyton, which obviously they wouldn't do because they just elevated Nick Vanette. But mm -hmm. to me, it's Dodson or Stone Smart, yeah. I think I would agree. I 
I don't know what I'd prefer to work with there. I don't know if either's in danger of being scooped up at this point in the season. Yeah. I mean, Dotson maybe would be active. Like he would yeah. play. So. Dotson maybe because the running back injuries are pretty, pretty rampant around the league. There's a lot of running backs mm. who are injured right now. Mm-hmm. Um, Stone smart. I like, I, I don't feel like there's going to be many teams that are super interested in him. Maybe Joe Lombardi would feel like he they, they could scoop him up, but uh, yeah, I don't. I, I think Dodson probably has a more clear path to like another team just because running back injuries, because he showed like like there's like actual tape of him shining in a, in a preseason mm. game where it's like, oh, the Stone Smart guy is kind of interesting. <laughs> Well mean, said. But... No, I, I don't think you're wrong there. I think that's fair. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I'm excited, man. We talked a lot about the running back or not, excuse me, the, the running game issues as a whole, you know, having Nick Vanette in there, leaning into more Jordan McFadden issue uh, plays, it, it, I think is going to really help this, this team going forward real, real quickly here, because we tweeted out the graphs, obviously of the running back efficiency ratings and, you know, Austin Eckler is not doing so hot in that regard, and Joshua Kelly is is doing better. He's not like he's an elite runner right now. Yeah. What do you make of our discussion from yesterday? The graphs of like a potential debate between Austin Eckler and Joshua Kelly as as runners right now. It was like someone gifted us those graphs. I feel like after our discussion because we had we had the discussion, we we had seen it, and there were stats that certainly leaned a certain way, and I, I felt comfortable saying that anyway. But then you look at those graphs as well, and it's like. Yeah, I mean, I know Arjun talked about Eckler hitting a, a wall or falling off a cliff last year, and it was slightly premature, but it seemed to forecast what was kind of on the way. And at this point, unless Eckler is still working out of this injury, which, you know, maybe he is, and there's certainly an aspect to that. But I, I think it is time, at least in terms of the rushing attempts, to at least make it even. It shouldn't be so easily dominated. I mean, even like the prize picks options, um, for most weeks have been Austin Eckler, like more or less at like 11 and a half or 12 and a half carries. And it's pretty much easily been like, yeah, more because Eckler yeah. has just received the, the bulk of the touches regardless of what the score is. And last week I was so surprised uh, to see Kelly come in and get what, six rushing attempts or whatever it was in a basically a blowout. So I, I just think with Kelly's youth, and frankly, you, I think they are moving on from Austin Eckler. And I think they know that. And I think Eckler knows that. And maybe both sides want that. I think you want to see what you have in Joshua Kelly and potentially even bring him yeah. back on a very short deal. If you have dropped a rookie next year, sign another guy next year, fine. But I feel like he'd be a nice stabilizing force, especially with not knowing what you have in Spiller. So I think that you know Kelly doesn't have to dominate the rushing touches. He doesn't even have to really take the lead. But I think a nice even split for now to give an idea of what this what Joshua Kelly has is the way to go. And frankly, every number points towards Kelly having his best season and Eckler starting to slowly fade away as a rusher. Yeah. I think, you know, as a receiver, we saw what Austin Eckler can still do with, with space, right? Like he's still a, a very much elite pass catching weapon out of the backfield um, and really sparked that, that game against the, against the bears. I think some of this is Austin Eckler's injury. Some of this is, like I, I do think that there's a world where Austin Eckler improves because of his his ankle, because of the tight end issues, because of the the schematic issues that we talked about, kind of that split of identity. 
But it, it's the numbers are pretty drastic here in terms of Joshua Kelly versus Austin Eckler and, and rushing yards over expectation and yards after contact being the the key factors here. Um, I do think that these touches need to even out from a rushing standpoint. I mean, over the last three weeks, Austin Eckler has carried the ball 43 times and Joshua Kelly just 14. Like it, this is a drastic difference. Like this is not even the kind of split that I think they envisioned heading into the season. And maybe some of that is kind of trying to ramp up Austin Eckler back to uh, his usual workload. But if this continues, you know, I, I don't know. I don't think they're going to solve their run issues against the, against the Jets. This is a very difficult defense to run on. Um, but you can run on the Lions. You can run on the, the Ravens a little bit. You know, if this continues for three more weeks, like then you definitely have to have that kind of conversation, I think, as a team and realize like, hey, like Joshua Kelly is our best answer here. I think this week in particular, you need a guy who is in kind of that zone where he can give you some of these yards after contact and, and exceed your expectations on a down to now basis, because right now you're not staying ahead of the sticks like the Chargers are not doing a good job in that regard. And if Joshua Kelly can give you four yards instead of one and a half after contact, like I think you have to lean into that more. Um, if Austin Eckler is still your RB one, I'm cool with that. I think he's he's mm-hmm. definitely still an effective player, but I, I need to start seeing Joshua Kelly get like 10, 11 carries a game. I'm not asking for him to get 18, 20 carries a game. No. But him averaging, you know, five and a half is is not going to cut it. I think he needs more than that. You know, 9, 10, 11 a game feels right to me at this point. Even in a pretty good season for Eckler last year, it was very clearly on the graphs. If the play is perfectly blocked, Eckler's one of the best guys in the league. When it's not, he was actually one of the worst in the league. It was such a stark difference between the two. And right now, the Chargers are more of the latter when it comes to the blocking unit. Maybe yeah. that gets fixed with the you know, with Dick Vanette, but I'm not like saying that's going to fix the entire <laughs> rushing attack here. Dick Vanette's so, a blocking tight end. He's not the five offensive linemen. No, right, that too. So I think that because of the way things are going right now and because Kelly is the guy who I think is at, at least a yard and a half better after contact right now than, than Eckler, you got to lean into him. And I guess, spoiler, he's my X Factor of the Week. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, Chargers fans, make Little Caesars the official pizza sponsor of the NFL part of your game day experience this Sunday. We all know how well football and pizza go together. It's just like Keenan and Allen, Justin Herbert on game day. 
Make sure you order online during our Pizza Pizza pregame one hour before and three hours after NFL kickoffs, plus all day Sunday, and get ready for some football and fun. Choose your favorite Little Caesars pizza or pick the toppings you crave. Either way, you win. My personal favorite is the pepperoni and green pepper combination with the dynamite crazy red with the dipping sauce. It's my favorite game day experience to go to for food on Sunday afternoons. Speaking of winning, everyone scores with convenient delivery or in-store pizza porta pickup. So grab some friends and enjoy a few slices during game day. Bolt up. Yeah, there you go. Let's get into it then. What are you kind of, do you expect him to get more touches this week then? Yeah, absolutely. I think you have to. I think that this is a game where, especially going on the road, you need to just score 17 guys. And I think that to (laughs) stay ahead and like, look, I like Eckler a lot. We like Eckler a lot. But the difference between, you know, second and nine versus second and like seven, second and six is is huge, honestly, for this team uh, this week. And sure, every week. But I think it's so important the Chargers don't get into second and 10, second and nine, second and 11 situations. Of course, part of that's the offensive line and the blocking group, play calls, et cetera. But Kelly's going to give you another yard or two after contact. And that's what you need this week. You need to just get yourself in field goal range. Herbert's going to get his. He's going to get a touchdown. You might get another rushing touchdown. And that's kind of it. You got to get yourself into field goal range and control this game score 17 score 20 hey that'd be amazing and get out of there and so i think joshua kelly needs to have over 10 carries this week um i don't know how much he'll factor in as a receiving option that's even more i think of an x factor and a bit of an unknown for him not very involved right now but he's got to get more carries as a rusher and i think that the chargers i don't think they're going to be a dynamic rushing unit this week but i think those every couple of yards you know again if you Three yards, I think it's like three and a half for Joshua Kelly right now. After mm-hmm. contact, you give him 10 carries a game and he's getting three and a half after contact per attempt. That makes a big difference in a game like this. So I think Joshua Kelly is absolutely the X factor of this game. Yeah, I think you look at the, the success rate of the Jets on defense, in in particular against the against the the rush. Um, you are seeing a success rate that's pretty solid. Um, you know, a lot of that comes from um, playing in these games, like against the Giants and things like that, but I mean the the, the Jets are are allowing 144 yards per game on the ground. This is not like this is the Eagles who are allowing 65. Like uh, you know the Bears are allowing 78 right now, um, and the Chargers really struggled against them. You know the Chargers are six in the league at 93 for what it's worth. Um, and this is this is a unit where the last thing you want to have happen is you to get into constant third and long situations where this pass rush can just pin their ears back and feast. And Arjun pointed this out, that they're not getting pressure super quickly that often, but they're getting pressure very often. Like, they are able to win, and some of that is is the coverage unit. So staying ahead of the sticks is so important this week. And whether that's through Joshua Kelly running the football or Austin Eckler's screen game or Quentin Johnson on crossers, like, you have to be efficient this week and stay ahead of those sticks. Like, I don't think this is a week where you're trying to Uh, take the top off of the defense and maybe we'll see an occasional deep pass or not, but um, you want to focus on efficiency and you want to focus on moving the football. And that's what they did last week against the bears. And I think we can continue to see that this week, but Joshua Kelly, just giving you easy yards, I think is, is a, is a good pick for X factor. What was the split in the Miami game? Was it pretty 
pretty close to 50-50. I know Eckler also didn't finish that game necessarily, but mostly did. Yeah, I mean, he he played for most of that game. But, yeah. Uh, that was in 2022. Let me get to 2023. Just trying to remember the last time Kelly took the majority when both were healthy. Uh, it was 50-50 that game. It was 16 for Kelly, 16 for Austin Eckler. Okay. And, I mean, well, Eckler had a great run that game, obviously. So, Eckler was really good, too. But yeah. that was their best rushing performance of the year by a large margin. So, yeah. not saying that'll happen again. But lean into that. And as Arjun pointed out, these these edge rushers, you scout them, you love them. Obviously, love Jermaine Johnson. We both like Will McDonald. They're not run defenders. That's not really their thing yeah. here. So, like, they're awesome. But you can get after some of these guys. Although, Will McDonald's barely playing. So, <laughs> yeah, Bryce Huff is that other guy. So, yeah, um, they use John Franklin Myers against the left tackle is what my understanding is. He's the run defender. So, that's mm. that to me makes sense why, you know, Arjun pointed out that um, against the right tackle, that's where the Jets struggle. And and I think you you have success there with Jamari and Trey Pipkins. And you can get a guy like Joshua Kelly going. So do you think the Chargers need to get to a certain number of attempts this week? Or is it just more about like the process for you? Because hmm. against the Dolphins, it, yeah. was, it was the number of attempts, I think, that really let them get into a rhythm. We haven't seen them run the football that much ever since. It's tough to just start to find your identity again against this defense, but I think that the offensive lineman would appreciate the rhythm of working with Joshua Kelly. And frankly, I think there is something internally motivating or ex I guess ex externally motivating about watching Joshua Kelly and just fighting for those yards and getting, getting three, getting three, getting three, getting four, getting five. Yeah. And I think that if you want to establish that sort of rhythm and can like, I think it's something that they need to commit to and continue to work with throughout the game. Just Zach Wilson's not, they're not scoring a lot this game. They're not scoring a lot at all. So uh, I think, I, I still think it's more of the process, but I'd like to see that process get Kelly to, you know, 12 rushing attempts this game at least. Yeah. I think that's fair. I think that is fair. Um, all right. My X factor of the week, I think I'm going to go with Eric Kendricks. I think mm -hmm. Eric Kendricks has been kind of rounding into form here a little bit. I think there definitely are some concerns from a coverage standpoint. Um, but as a run defender, you know, I, I think the roles have kind of shifted between the two linebackers. Um, Kenneth Murray is more your Mike right now. And, and Eric Kendricks is kind of the weak side linebacker. And I think that's a better fit weirdly for both of them, which I did not think would be the case heading into this season. Um, but I actually like the way that Eric Kendricks is cutting off the backside right now. I think that's a key thing against Brees Hall because Brees Hall is a fantastic backside cut runner so he'll like if you look at the jet statistics and where they're good running the football it's a lot running to the right side which like doesn't make sense given their injuries because they're <laughs> yeah like they're gonna be on their third right guard this week their third right tackle their fourth center like it doesn't make sense that they're good running to the right but if you think about what Brees hall's style is it's a lot of i'm gonna run one way and then i'm gonna cut back the other way and so when I, I watched a little bit of the Jets offense, I didn't want to watch the Giants game because that was a ridiculous game. I, I didn't want to set myself back 10 years watching football. Um, but I went I, <laughs> that game was a train wreck, man. It was like 27 <laughs> punts in that game, like ridiculous. Um, but I went back and watched the Jets game prior to that. And I watched a little bit of their game against the Broncos. And Brees Hall is so good at that, man. He's so good at just like jump cutting and going to the opposite side. 
So the issue here is that you have to have a linebacker and a safety on the backside of these runs that are very capable of coming down and tackling Brees Hall one-on-one once he makes that cutback. And so for me, this needs to be a good Eric Kendricks game. I, you know, safety play is a little bit tougher here because you, you rotate the safeties a lot, right? It's not necessarily like backside, front side, things like that. Um, but to a lesser extent, like Alohi Gilman, I think counts in this place too, because if you let Brees Hall get going and you let him get past the second level, like he's going to make you pay. And the way you lose this game, if you're the Chargers, is if you give three, four big explosive plays up to Brees Hall and Garrett Wilson too, but specifically Brees Hall, I think you can live with some explosive plays from Garrett Wilson because he's just that great, right? But yeah. if you can, if you can cut off Brees Hall's explosive plays, I think that's how you beat the Jets. I think, I mean, granted, the Jets are not like this insane offense, right? But if you can cut off Brees Hall's explosive plays, I think that is the most important thing this week for the Chargers defense. And I think Eric Kendricks is the key piece to that. Yeah, that's a great call there. Brees Hall also is a receiving option. 11 catches for, I think, 130 yards the last yeah. two weeks. So even just as that option, Zach Wilson is not taking as many, you know, dumb throws, I guess, fewer turnover-worthy <laughs> plays. And part of that's just, I don't know, here you go, Brees, do your thing. And then yeah. Brees Hall goes and does his thing. Yeah. I mean, you watch the Giants. And it's basically just a dump off or a check down. But then Brees Hall goes for a, a 60 yard touchdown or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I think it was 24 punts in that awful game. Unfortunately, <laughs> the, the, one of the teams that has the most punts in a game ever is the Chargers against the Raiders in 1998, I believe it was, that GM, GMFB put up. So yeah, the Chargers are unfortunately a part of that history as well. Hopefully not in this game. So no, I, I think yeah. that's a really good call there. Kendricks and Murray. Probably can say about them in coverage, like specifically dropping back in coverage, not as much on the screen game. Their play against running backs so far and cleaning things up has been a lot better. And I think that, that duo felt like you know maybe one guy, then the other guy. And that was kind of it most weeks. It feels like the last few weeks they've really been working in tandem against the run, working downhill. So, yeah, that, that's a really good call. Yeah, one one funny thing I heard about the jets and giants game from benjamin Solak on the ringer who actually gave a shout out to arjun on their show this week so shout out to ben Solak. oh um Jeez, ben Solak pointed, popular this week wow. yeah he is popular this week um ben Solak pointed out that the jets were the second team in nfl history to punt more than 10 times only score 10 points in regulation and win the football game that's the stat line I expect them to have against the Chargers and because the Chargers would give that up. So I'm glad they yeah. got that out of their system. Yeah, Ben's great about finding those stats. And there were like three of them for the Chargers in the first few few games of the season. So, uh, yeah, hopefully we see a lot more of uh, Thomas Morstead, the Jets punter this week. Um, all right, so key matchup here, and then we'll we'll have some final thoughts here. It's going to be a, a, not our usual preview episode, but because uh, we did so much of that on the Chargers channel. Um my my biggest key matchup is how do the Chargers go about blocking Quinnen Williams? I think Quinnen Williams has the potential to wreck this game for the Chargers. Um, he's he's arguably one of the best defensive tackles in the league. He's when I looked at his film, it's not really matching up with the numbers. Um, he only has only has twenty five pressures this season, which feels like it should be way more you know looking at these defensive tackle numbers around the league it's it's kind of more towards the back end of like the top 15 as opposed to like the top 10 which is pretty crazy um 
as a side note here, Dexter Lawrence currently leads the all interior defensive lineman in pressures, and he's a nose tackle, which is crazy <laughs> to me. Yeah. Um, but Quinn Williams has the potential to wreck a game plan. And if you go back and look at some of these games where he has not done that, it's been the teams who have run the football a lot. So this kind of works in tandem with what you were saying here against the Dallas Cowboys. Granted, they have Zach Martin and Tyler Smith, who's an ascending player as well. Only one pressure that game against the Broncos, who ran the football a ton. He had two pressures against the Giants this past week. He didn't have a single pressure because they ran the football a lot. So what exactly is your plan for Quinn and Williams? They've trusted both Zion and Jamari to be on islands, so to speak, against players. Um, you know, some of that I think is to their detriment. Will Clapp is kind of, he'll help one person and the other one is kind of on an island. So how do you game plan for Quinn and Williams? Because if he gets hot and he gets rolling, then this is the equivalent of what we've seen Chris Jones do in the past. Like this guy can wreck your offensive game plan at any moment if you let him get going. So, you know, I'm nervous about the edge rushers, but like at this point, I do trust Rashawn and Trey to handle those one-on-one matchups more than I would trust Zion and Jamari uh, one-on-one against Quinn Williams. And that's not necessarily a slight. I think Quinn Williams is the mm-hmm. best player on the Jets defense, uh, certainly the defensive line. So this is how do you go about defending him? And I'm curious about like the rushing approach here too, because Al Woods, like Arden mentioned, is out this week. Um, he's kind of their run stuffing defensive lineman. So does that put more pressure on Quinnen as mm-hmm. a run defender who's who grades out solid, but he's not like a super run stop heavy defensive tackle. So he, he's definitely more leans more pass rush. But the Chargers have to be ready to double team Quinnen Williams, in my opinion. I think that's probably where you focus more of your attention uh, from a pass blocking schematic standpoint. Yeah, that, that that's frightening. Quinton Williams is, is certainly frightening. I don't think even last season his numbers matched to the respect that he had around the league. I think he's always been a, a lower numbers in terms of like pressures guy. Yeah, that's only at fifty two. Yeah, yeah, only. Yeah, that'd be nice. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, but he he's his respect goes certainly beyond that. Uh, Dexter Lawrence, by the way, I was looking curious what his numbers were. Yeah, they are forty four. Did you see how many he had in the Jets game alone? <laughs> Yeah, it was like had, 14 or something yeah, like that. 15 pressures in that game. <laughs> I was like, why is his number so oh 15 pressures yeah. in one game against the Jets? Yeah. That'll certainly do it. So That's I, I crazy. definitely that it's I don't recall the last time I because I thought like Max Crosby versus the Chargers with like eleven a couple of years in a row was was a lot, but 15. I mean and it's it, not it, like the Giants passed the ball a lot, or not no. like the Jets passed the ball a lot that game. Right, and also he's a nose tackle, which is insane. Like, <laughs> if Nick Williams wants to show up with 15 pressures this week, I'm all on board, but I don't really expect <laughs> that this week from him. Yeah, um, No, that that's a great call there. I almost went with the kind of the opposite, too, for my matchup with I'm kind of waiting for Austin Johnson, Morgan Fox, Sebastian Joseph Day to kind of bring their A game in the pass rush department because yeah. the Jets' defensive, or excuse me, their offensive line is, I don't even know what the combinations are anymore. Uh, Arjun talked about, those different combinations the guys are playing and now billy turner is going to be playing guard you know tipman is questionable mcgovern's out schweitzer's out dwayne brown's out um it's a kind of a mess for them so i really could go with, with any mm-hmm. of these guys for key matchups because again dexter lawrence had 15 pressures and his mic'd up was great he was kind of <laughs> clowning on the jets offensive line yeah. and um so that's that's definitely a way i i hope they can block williams and i, I don't expect them to do a great job of it but i feel like the chargers can do okay if the edge rushes are pretty solid for the opposing team but when they mix in a great defensive tackle like you saw against the chiefs 
that's when just everything seemed to break loose um, yeah. against the Chargers. So I, I'm curious what their stunt rate is. I'm curious how often that they mix things up. They don't blitz a lot, but what can you do with the guys that you have in yeah. that front? So that'd be that's a good call there. Um, my matchup is going to be Keenan Allen versus Michael Carter. I think that this is a game where you have to get the ball out very quickly. Yeah. And I, I think Keenan Allen is, if he really wants to, there's an aspect of maybe Sauce Gardner in there too. I saw him cover Darren Waller last week on one one rep. But for the most part, it's it's Michael Carter in the slot. And Keenan has, for the most part, been in the slot about two-thirds of the time this year. Mm-hmm. If he really wants to show that Keenan Allen is having that sort of resurgent year, which he has been, but if we really want to establish yourself as being back, Keenan Allen having a huge game to help Justin Herbert to move the sticks, to, to continue to you know bail him out, basically, or bail the offensive line out if they're not holding up, is huge for this game. Do it on prime time. Do it against a very, very good corner. Uh, Michael Carter has only allowed more than 30 yards once this season. Every other game, it's under 30 yards. So randomly, it was the Broncos that gave him the most fits in terms of yardage. Don't exactly know what happened there. But otherwise, it's, I think, four games where it's like seven yards or fewer and then a couple mm-hmm. of uh, 26, 27 or so. There are aspects where Michael Carter can flat out shut out the guy in the slot. So yeah. hopefully, hopefully, Keenan Allen can get his. I don't even need a big game from him, but it's just... Again, when all three points of a drive or heck a touchdown matters, everything, every single point matters. Keenan Allen just having a couple of drives where he gets you in field goal range or sets up something else, huge for them. So I'm going to go Keenan Allen versus Michael Carter. Yeah, I think that's a good one. To your point about Sauce Gardner, uh, he has zero reps from the slot this year. Um, he has 44 in the box. So I, I, mm-hmm. I think I've seen them do this a couple of times where like, uh especially against like a good tight end they'll have him like go into the box against the tight end mm-hmm. but zero slot snaps because they trust michael carter so much and you know he's one of the better slot corners in the league for sure um that that's definitely a a very important matchup this week keenan's got to get going early and often i was like going back and watching the film what did you make of how they use keenan because i felt like during the game i felt like the usage was good but then during the film i felt like we went like a very extended amount of time without seeing much of Keenan getting involved there. So what did you make of Keenan's use? Yeah, it was, I think he had what four catches on the opening drive. I think he was one, two, three on like the very first three catches of that drive were Keenan on then a bit of a disappearance there. Um, I didn't focus on him specifically. It was more of a, I'm watching Quentin Johnson today sort of thing. I'm watching the run game sort of today. So I didn't really focus on him. Those players that are like that, I tend to just not watch as much because they're, they're good. I great. They're good. Yeah. Um, so I, I can't really speak much to his usage, but usage, excuse me. But hopefully there are no disappearing access one. Yeah. And I do think like scheming up touches for Quentin Johnson is gonna be really important this week because I please do not throw any back shoulder fades while he's matched up with Sauce Gardner. I don't think we, <laughs> I don't think we need to see that this week, Kellen Moore, please. No, but uh, this will be the time he catches one. <laughs> Sure. The, the goal line fade that he catches will be against Sauce Gardner because that's mm-hmm. how this season has been for him. Yep. Um, going back to the Jets offensive line here, real quickly, uh, it's it's scary, man, because they have had a ton of injuries. They had their usual starting lineup for the first two weeks, and since that point, they have not had consecutive games with the same five offensive linemen. Like it's it's been brutal, and uh, you know this is a matchup where the Chargers offense defensive line should be very, very good. Mackay Becton is a good left tackle. Um, him against Khalil Mack is going to be 
it's like that dinosaur meme you know it's just like <laughs> two power guys going at it but this is it this is a game where if you can get the jets into third and long like you throw all of the creative stunts and blitzes you can at this offensive line because they struggled so mightily against that and granted the giants are run by mr blitz you know he's the guy who's going to blitz every single play uh wink martindale that is the chargers will blitz not in, at that same level so I think this is a game where you can kind of ratchet that up a little bit, but uh, I need more Morgan Fox. Uh, like I, we've talked about this a little bit on Twitter. I don't understand why Austin Johnson has as many pass rush snaps as Morgan Fox. That to me does not make any sense. Mm. I mean, Scott Madlock is getting so many pass rush snaps this season as well. Like Morgan Fox had 20 total snaps last week. Like I, I need more Morgan Fox. I do. He's their best pass rushing defensive lineman. We need more of him. I, I think you need to get that specifically that four man lineup of him, Joey, Khalil, Thule. Like this is a game where you you're doing that like 15 times this game. Like anytime mm-hmm. there's a third down, get those four out there and let Morgan Fox spin his ears back and get to work. I, I, I don't understand his usage so far this season. No, and there's even an aspect of okay, maybe they prefer bigger guys and run defense, and I I guess that's fine. But then Scott Matlock is getting as many pass rush snaps as him. That's the part that is kind of yeah. confusing me is that Scott Matlock, who I think will develop and be fine. But at this point in the season, I'm, I'm trusting Morgan Fox out there. And I don't get after the two-sack game against the Cowboys why you dial his snaps back. You know, I don't really get what happened there. And I know maybe he's not as efficient as he was last season. But I also think that only playing him 20 snaps a game isn't really going to help Morgan Fox all that much. So... Yeah, would love to see him out there. This Jets offensive line, some people will say it's a bit of a repeat of what I said against the the Dolphins. I did not realize that Dolphins front would be as improved as it was that Frank Smith would work a freaking miracle because they were awful (laughs) last year. But we've seen this Jets front now for several weeks and they've lost more players and they're the worst uh, offensive line in the league in terms of PBE and they just lost two starters. So, I mean, it is... It could get ugly for the Jets, as, as although I don't know if it can get much uglier than it was for them last week. Yeah, I mean, they drafted Joe Tittman in the second round. He was a strictly a center prospect <laughs> yeah. coming out. He never even got to play center because the injuries were so bad. He was playing right guard for this team, and then he got injured also. So it's just like you have to throw everything you can at this this Jets offensive line and make them prove that they can block you. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, looking at these defensive line pass rush snaps, man. I mean, like Sebastian Joseph Day has 162. He has more pass rush snaps than Morgan Fox. That to me is not right. That's not what you want to do from a pass rush standpoint. Nick Williams has 117. Scott Mac- Matlock has uh, 73. And Austin Johnson has 142 pass rush snaps and one pressure. Mm. One pressure on 144 snaps. I love Austin Johnson. He's a great run defender. Sure. But that many pass rush snaps for Austin Johnson is is not the right way to use your defensive line. You need to give more snaps to Morgan Fox. Like this is actively holding you back. Like the Chargers are are pretty good in terms of sacks per game, but from a pressure standpoint, they're they're more of a middle of the pack team. Mm-hmm. Um, so Morgan Fox playing more often helps you elevate both of those cases. I think it helps you get more sacks, helps you get some more pressure. And this is these are games that you have to do this. You know, you need more Morgan Fox this week. So I'm trying to find the the rusher snaps. So Morgan Fox. Okay, so he's a yeah, only one more than Austin Johnson. Austin Johnson coming off an injury. Yeah. Uh, and he's never been a pass rusher. 
No, I mean, we we talk about Austin Johnson. We love Austin Johnson. Uh, it was strictly mostly about him being a run. To, well, no, I would say last week, I think he's, or not, excuse me, last season he started stronger. Definitely had more than one pressure. Yeah. Um, to this, he had a really good sack, I think, on, on Gino, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, at this point, like, why not more Morgan Fox? Why less of him is my yeah. question. But uh, once again, I don't get this team and defensive tackles. And this is like the thing I never get with this team. <laughs> Yeah, so play more Morgan Fox, please. Um, all right, Tyler, any other uh, final thoughts before we head out? I think that this is a game the Chargers, I, I think they'll win it. I, I don't think that the media is going to really give them any credit for if they win. I certainly think that there's an op. If they blow them out, then maybe. But I think it'll be more yeah. of a, oh, the Jets offense stinks. We need Aaron Rodgers back more than oh look at the chargers and them showing up and performing well so i think that nothing else just make it the next step in you recovering your season and getting something out of it i I thought the chargers were maybe a bit closer in the standings um but they're they're still 12th seed right now in the afc and spoiler you don't make the playoffs as 12th seed in the afc so this is it would be a big game for them this could be a tiebreaker sort of game for them it's a big Absolutely. one, and, and hopefully they pull this one out because that will make going to the Detroit Lions game all that much more fun, and you and I are going to be at that game, potentially? Yes, Maybe? I'll be there. Yes. Cool. Yes, I'll be at the Detroit Lions game. So um, certainly a, a very important game against the Jets. Like you mentioned, tiebreakers are, are going to be very, very important this year because there are 12 teams in the AFC that can make a legitimate playoff case. So you got to win these kind of games. You have to win this. And so... I like I just I, we'll see about predictions right now. I feel like the Chargers, I feel like the Chargers should win this game. You don't really need that many points. Like the defense, the Jets defense is legitimately one of the best in the business, but you don't need I don't think you need to get to 27 points. I think you can get to 20 and like be comfortable about this week. Yeah. I think so. And I think fans need to understand that too. This team this defense does not give up many points. I think this is I mean, in terms of the front and the linebackers and the secondary, even though the, the, the EPA per play maybe doesn't back it up. I do think this is the best defense and they're playing like the best defense right now that they faced all season. So yeah, I think, I think 20 would be great. You get 20 points. I think you're doing all right. I think you've held up your end of the bargain. If you get 20 points on offense. Yeah. Yeah. So that's where the uh, Chargers are at this week. Um, this is coming out on Thursday. Tonight is Thursday night football. So for those of you who are interested, uh, we have to tell you about our partner prize picks before we get out of here today. Tyler, why don't you, uh, run through your picks of Thursday night football and then, uh, we'll head out for the show. Okay. Sounds good. So I've of course loved using prize picks so far. So have my parents definitely so more. So my mom, um, this week I have Travis Kelsey more than 0.5 touchdowns against the Miami Dolphins. I do have Garrett Wilson more than 62.5 receiving yards against the Chargers. I just think the Chargers are going to, you know, it's Garrett Wilson. It's the Chargers. (laughs) And then I do have Bryce Young more than 219.5 passing yards versus the Indianapolis Colts who are struggling right now and just gave up 310 to Derek Carr. So to make your selections, go to pricepix.com slash guilty and use the code guilty for a first deposit match up to $100. There we go. Appreciate prize picks for uh, supporting the show as always. Appreciate you guys for tuning in. Make sure you like, subscribe, all that good stuff. It really helps continue to grow the show, as does using that prize pick link. So please go check that out. 
uh, win yourself some money, help us support the show. It works out both ways, in my opinion. So that's going to do it for us today, guys. We'll see you live on Saturday for our usual Q&A. And then we'll be live on Monday night after the Chargers and Jets game. So uh, we appreciate you guys. We love you guys. We'll see you next time. As always, bolt up.